Welcome to the Whitewater Podcast. Stay tuned at the end of the message for church resources and more information about Whitewater. For now, let's dive into this week's message together. Hey friends and family, my name's George, and I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to Whitewater. Now, we've been in a, well, we've been in a time with a lot of tension and a lot of conflict. And uh, a while back ago, I read a old parable, and it just sticks out to me. In this parable, there's an, there's an old sage with his disciples. And the sage asks his disciples, he says, how do we know when the darkness is leaving and the dawn is coming? One of his disciples said, well, we can tell the, the darkness is leaving and the dawn is coming when you can see well enough that you can distinguish an oak tree from a fir tree. He said, nope, that's not it. Another disciple said, well, when you can tell the difference between a, a, a fox and a gopher. He's like, no. Another person said, well, when you, can, when you can tell the difference between a conservative and a liberal. He said, nope. Well, when can you tell like, that the darkness is leaving and the dawn is coming? And the old sage leaned and, and said, you can tell when the darkness is leaving and the dawn is coming when you can see someone and you can see in their face that they are your brother or your sister. Until you can see that, it's still dark. I think it's so important as we explore the way of peacemaking that we learn to see beyond the lines being drawn in our culture of us against them and really learn the way of Jesus, which is us for them, that Jesus looked at the world and treated anybody who, is, who treated him like an enemy with love and built bridges and, and lived a life that demonstrated loving God and loving other people. I hope you enjoyed part one with Bruxy Cavey's teaching from last week, and we're going to continue with part two for this week. Before I do that, I wanted to let you know that we interviewed Bruxy for a podcast that we're going to be releasing, and I want to encourage you to go check it out. Now, we asked Bruxy some questions in the podcast because if you didn't know, he's Canadian, and uh, we want to make sure that we understand Canadian culture with our friends from the North. So I want to give you a sneak peek right now. We've really admired and been thankful for your ministry and your message, what you mm. and the Meeting House and Jesus Collective have been doing. It's just been incredible, huge blessing to the, to the church. And, you know, I resonate because I have some similar background, but we're here to interview you. And uh, you're, you're up in Canada. And before we jump into some of the questions I really want to get to about Jesus-centered theology, some mm-hmm. of the radical reformation, how that's impacted you, and, and your book, The End of Religion, I wanted to I wanted to maybe do a speed round or power round of questions so we can learn a little bit more about you and Canada. Um, okay. <laughs> it might be helpful for Uh-oh. some of our All right. American listeners. Are you game? I'm good, yes. All right. So here we go. First question. Who is Tim Horton and is he an Anabaptist? <laughs> uh, don't speak ill of the dead, brother. Um, yeah, t- Tim Horton was, I think, I think... He was, what I've heard is that he was a famous hockey player and uh, who then retired and started a donut store franchise. God bless him. We all bless him every day that he did. The man, so the myth, the legend. Canadian thing. <laughs> Maybe he was, uh, you know, I've heard that he might be the great, great, great grandfather of Wayne Gretzky too. So there's, the legend continues. Uh, next wow. question. <laughs> Would you rather eat American mashed potatoes and gravy or poutine? 
Oh, that's so hard. I think I have to claim biculturalism on this one, my brother. Uh, I'm really caught between the two on that. <laughs> I love it. Both good. Both I love good. it. Next question is, which would you recommend Americans watch to better understand Canadian culture? Strange Brew or The Red Green Show? Well, <laughs> um, that's a toss-up since I, I haven't seen either of them. So <laughs> I'm... I'm sure you're in good hands with either. Okay. Uh, next one. Hockey or curling? Oh, that's great. Since I I don't watch or play either of those either. <laughs> so I'm really feeling as an ambassador of the Great White North. I'm sorry, my friend. I'm, I'm not a sports guy. I grew up with three sisters and I've raised three daughters. And so... I don't, I don't do sports, but you give me an easy bake oven and I'm good to go for the afternoon. Um, I can do lots with my kids. That's great. Uh, just two more. Uh, Celine Dion or the Rankin family? Well, for personal preference, I will tip towards the Rankins on that one. All right, nice. Last, last one here. Who's a better ambassador for Canada at this point, Ryan Reynolds or Justin Bieber? Oh, wow. So different, <laughs> and I, God bless him. I love I love these beautiful boys for different reasons, uh, different capacities. I, it's a, again a toss up. They're like boy, Ryan Reynolds and Dustin Beaver. They're like mashed potatoes and poutine. How can you choose? There we go. Yeah. Jesus says to you who are listening, I say this: Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. And then he goes on to say some things that are very similar to what he says in Matthew 5. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them as well. Give to people who ask from you. Do to others as you would have them do to you. For if you only love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. Well, this is a good point. There's supposed to be something about the the love ethic of the followers of Jesus that people go, wow, there's something unique there. But you know what? Just treating people decently is not uniquely Christian. Uh, if we think just being a good and decent uh, Canadian citizen or a good and decent American citizen is what being a Christian is all about, that really is insulting to our non-Christian friends. Are we saying that all non-Christians are just so depraved that all we have to do is live like decent citizens and we'll stand out? No, uh, we have to have an ethic that goes way beyond just being a good and decent citizen of any particular country. Um, we, we have a love ethic that actually shocks people into how much we love even our enemies, which gives them an opportunity to snap out of it, see, and perhaps change. Now here Jesus gives us some tips on how to go about doing that so that we're not just talking generally. Let's get specific now. He says three things, and I'm thinking about verse 27 um, and 28. Luke 6, 27 to 28. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. And now he's going he's gonna to give us three ways. Watch this now. Three ways that we can do this. Love your enemies is the overarching uh, teaching. And there's three ways to go about doing it. Do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. There's three ways to love your enemies. Now, each of those three ways can be divided into two parts. Uh, what we're to do and who, who we're to do it to. So each of these three 
illustrations puts us in a certain context where people are doing something to us and tells us what we should do in return. Let's read each point kind of backwards. For those who hate you, do good. That's the first point. For those who hate you, do good. For those who curse you, bless them. For those who mistreat you, pray for them. You'll notice a couple things. If you look at the context of each of these three, there is an ascending or escalating order of evil in the context. First, it's those who hate you. They just have a disposition towards you that is unkind, uncharitable. They don't like you. They hate you. It amps up a bit the next one. The context for the next phrase is those who curse you. So they started off just hating you. Now they're turning up the dial and they are verbally abusing. And then finally, those who mistreat you is the context for that third teaching. That third example, those who mistreat you. So they've gone from just hating to cursing to now they are being physically unkind in some way. And it could be violent abuse or it could be, it could be just using the system to oppress you in active ways. Jesus says, I have a plan for you in how you're going to respond to each one. By the way, whenever I teach on this, I know there's someone who I think rightly so will ask the question, what about say an abusive situation in a home where a wife is being abused. Are you saying she should just uh, tolerate it and, and bless her husband and pray for him? And remember that love always commits to helping the other person become the best version of themselves that they can be. Love says to a person, I'm committed to helping you become a better you. Love is the will to do the work to be a blessing to a person. Love is the will to do the work. It takes energy and it's a choice. It's the will to do the work to be a blessing to a person. And so if someone's being abused by someone, we ask the question, what's the best way I can, I can bless them? He says to bless those who curse you. And what does it mean to uh, help them become a better version of themselves? Doing nothing, Jesus doesn't counsel that, remember. He doesn't counsel just being completely passive. Doing nothing does not help the other person become a better version of themselves. It does not help them grow. In fact, that's what we call enabling simply allows the person to think they can get away with anything. That helps them become a lesser version of themselves. So that's not true love. That's not what Jesus has in mind here. Enabling is, um, it's like admitting something's wrong, but you're still going to help them do it anyway, even if you're just helping them by being passive. It's like saying to your friend, I don't think you should rob that bank on Tuesday. Do not rob that bank. Okay, but just in case you need help, I'll be outside in my car with the engine running in case. Well, you're giving mixed messages. So Jesus always calls us to love. Remember, this is love your enemies. And we're going to learn from Jesus. Love is never passivity. It's doing something. But there are going to be situations where we can't hold the other accountable. Love would say, I think in say a domestic violence situation, you would say, I'm going to commit to helping you be a better version of yourselves. Therefore, I'm going to hold you accountable. If you become physically abusive, I'm going to be the first person who calls the police. I'm going to send you to jail because I think you need to see the consequences for your actions. Mind you, I'll visit you when you're there and I'll be the first to help you get the therapy or the counseling that you need for, um, for growing through this uh, terrible tendency. But you're not getting away with this. Often what we do is we just stay passive, we stay passive, we stay passive until we just can't take it anymore and then we leave. 
or something worse happens. But there are steps to love. Love is proactive and engaging. So let's look at these three again. Three contexts, because you're going to face these. I face these. We face these in this crazy world we're living in these days at different times. Remember the three contexts, those who hate you, then those who verbally lash out at you, and then finally those who do something to make it hard for you or to hurt you. In those three contexts, so those are escalating in their, we could say violent, violent attitude, verbal violence, physical violence, they're escalating. Jesus teaches us a de-escalating approach in each of those contexts. Look, to those who hate, they just hate you. That's all. They're just, at this point, they just hate you. Jesus doesn't say at that point, just love them. Just feel good towards them. Just, he says, that's the time where you do good. That's the time when you're most active because that's the time where you have the most freedom to move and maneuver. Do good to those who hate you. We're going to come back to that. The next, to those who curse you, who become verbally, well, now you meet them in the middle. The ascending and descending points kind of meet now in the middle. They curse you, you bless them back. They're using words against you. You use words of blessing towards them. And then lastly, when it comes to the point where they are physically oppressing you. Now, in this case, it wasn't, say, a covenantal love relationship between family members. It was actually an oppressed people, the Romans oppressing Israel. And there was nothing that they could do physically to fight back and win. In that case, as the Romans oppressed Israel, he said, at this point, all you can do is pray. Pray for them, you see. So he has the least active point at the end. Pray. There's really nothing else you can do. You can't even do good towards them while they're beating you up or whatever the Romans are doing to you. But you can at least still pray for them. Now, here's where I'm driving towards. If it ever gets to that point in our lives, that's all we're left with. Well, then we're still left with something. We can pray and prayer is important. Before then, we'll have an opportunity to return cursing with blessing. But, and this is it. Jesus says, long before you get there, well, they still only hate you. <laughs> well, they are still just an attitude toward you. That's when you can be the most active, the most proactive and do the most good. And that's where we often mess up as Christians. When I become aware that someone hates me, when you become aware that someone just doesn't like you, or there's a group of people that doesn't like the church or doesn't like your kind of person, whatever it is, uh, that's when you can actually say, well, I'm going to organize blessing towards them. You realize how countercultural this is. You realize how this could actually shock the world into waking up. Say, well, that, they haven't attacked me yet. I just know they don't like me. Well, I'm going to find practical ways to serve them, to demonstrate real kindness. Do good to those who hate you, says Jesus. Now, if we could start there, where we are aware of just individuals who maybe don't like us, and we say, well, then I am going to Whatever it is, from bake them a cake. I know you can do that. They might, if they really think you're enemies, they, they might think you poisoned the cake. But I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to see if there's some way I can serve them in a practical way, whether that's in the workplace or um, in, in a relationship with that ornery neighbor down the street. I'm going to offer to rake their leaves or shovel the snow or whatever the weather's giving you these days to, find, to initiate acts of kindness to the people we're aware of don't like us. But that can happen with neighbors and individuals. It can also happen with people groups who are caught up in their hate. They're caught up in their dismissiveness. Maybe they've been hurt before and so they're lashing back or maybe they're part of the oppressors. But to say, I know that that people group is, uh, is either skeptical of people like me or hates people like me. I don't know which it is, but I have the 
the internal fortitude and confidence and love of Jesus to know who I am and whose I am. So I'm going to initiate good. Not everyone will respond to ethical shock treatment positively. But you can put your head on your pillow at night satisfied and sound because, because you're not responsible for how people react. But you are responsible to give them the gift, the opportunity to change. And that's the key, says Jesus. Begin by active goodness towards people who don't like you. There's a whole lot more could be said, right? This probably raises as many questions as it gives answers. But that's the nature of this kind of communication. In a few minutes to touch on something, well, it's not exhaustive. But of course, that's why you have a church community. That's why you have pastors. That's, that's why we have each other, is to get together around the teaching of Jesus and say, okay, okay, Bruxy said some things in our teaching this week that gave me some clarity, but also raised some questions. Can we kind of workshop this? What would you do in this scenario? How would it work out here? That's what the church is for. And it's just, it's not, it's not the nature of this kind of quick communication, one-way medium here. But I love the opportunity to turn monologue into dialogue. So I want to commission you into your own dialogue that uh, as the church in your community, as you find ways online these days in most places to connect with one another, I commission you to work this out, turn monologue into dialogue. But also I realize if I've raised some questions, then look me up online and I'm happy to engage and respond because I live for this stuff. I love Jesus, love people, and I love helping the two of them kind of work it out together in practical ways. So with a name like Bruxy Cavey, you're going to find me easily on, all, I think, pretty much all social media platforms. So look me up, send me a question. If I've raised something that, uh, that I haven't done a very good job of answering, I'm always happy to kind of, kind of help clean up the mess. Um, okay, friends, it's been great hanging out for this time. Thanks for just letting me uh, help us walk through this one particular teaching of Jesus, which I think can be a world changer. Of course, everything Jesus changes, if we began to apply it, my goodness, the, the world would be a different place. How, what a beautiful goal for Christians to act more Christ-like. And before I want to change everybody out there, I think it's just a modest goal to help Christians to act more Christ-like. That'll keep us busy for the rest of our lives, won't it? And thank you for, for joining me in this, this, this project of providing the beautiful alternative, the kingdom of heaven on earth. Well, my friends, let me pray for you. It's been lovely to be adopted into your home. I want to pray and uh, wrap up our time together. Heavenly Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters, uh, these uh, new friends, this spiritual family, that they will together in conversation with mutual support and pastoral encouragement and with the empowerment of your Holy Spirit, We'll have the courage to lean in to the beautiful, revolutionary teaching and example of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you enjoyed that teaching. Broxy, we're so grateful that you shared your wisdom and also your friendship. We're just grateful for you and, and our friends at the Meeting House and the Jesus Collective. Now, um, we've got some questions I want to leave you with so you can discuss it with your spiritual family right now. So check these out. For this week's Dialogue and Discovery, read Philippians 2, 1 through 11, and then think about these questions. What stood out to you the most from the sermon and scripture? What questions do you have? What have you learned about loving God, Father, Spirit, or Jesus, and loving people? 
And what do you think God is saying to you this week through this service or your circumstances? And how will you turn that into action? You can also find these questions in our show notes. And remember to take time to pray for one another this week. Thanks again for joining us this week. At Whitewater, we believe in creating an environment where you can belong before you believe. If you want to learn more about who we are and what we believe in, visit us at our website, whitewaterchurch.org. If you'd like to contribute to Whitewater financially, you can give online at whitewaterchurch.org give. Or if you want to get involved in blessing our communities or are interested in joining one of our home churches, email us at info at whitewaterchurch.org. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.